This is Chris Peltz, host of the Blind Grilling Experience, and you're listening to the AT Banter Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, the other guy that's not on vacation, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Working for a living. Hello, I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, we've got no Liz, and we've got no Steve, and it's just me and you. Slackers. I know. With this vacation thing. How yep. dare they? I know. I'm yeah. jealous. I, yeah, actually, that's exactly <laughs> hey, what I am. Wait, you're actually on vacation right now. Don't too, tell anybody you? that. Yes. Don't uh, don't lump me in with those. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm here. That's what I was just about to I'm say. I'm stupid like enough to be here. <laughs> I know. It's true. It's day two of my vacation. Where am I? I'm sitting in front of a podcast mic. Uh, that's why we keep you around. Oh, is it? I thought it was my uh, sunny personality and inability to pronounce our co-host's name correctly. Say Google. No. <laughs> no. I'm on vacation, man. You can't do that to me. All right. Uh, dear. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Can't yeah. complain. Yeah. yeah. Summer's still moving along. And yep. British Columbia is, of course, on fire, but yeah, we're, on. we're okay down here. Yeah, we're okay in the in the lower mainland, but uh, it's yeah a little bit scary. Indeed. To say, don't like it, don't like no. it at all. But, hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I don't know. That's all I got uh, for 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 news. I'm on vacation. You're not. Everybody else is on vacation. So on with the show. Yeah, let's let's do this because uh, I want to get back to my vacation. So. <laughs> uh, how about you tell the fine folks at home uh, just what the heck we're doing today? Sure. Today we're speaking with the CEO and founder of a company called Recite Me, and their website is reciteme.com. And I'll let our guest introduce himself. So, Ross, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me on. And I just say I love, I love the name of the podcast, AT Banner. <laughs> well, I've, I've always said for a long time, you know, to achieve what we're trying to achieve, which is mass inclusivity, mass accessibility for all, we need to make it fun. Yeah, because when you make it fun, people buy in and people want to come along for the journey that is not part of the, the groups that we're in. So, so well done, guys. Well, thank you. I've I've been wanting to do for years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, we're happy to happy to have you. So um, maybe why don't we just start uh, just giving us a little bit of a a background uh, on yourself? Yeah, I was uh, I was born in a ex mining town in the uh, the northeast of England. Um, Still live in the area. Love it. Uh, Went all the way through education, knowing that there was something. I'm not I don't want to say wrong, but different in the way I learned. Um, couldn't really read that fast, um, but went through the education system, said to the English teacher at the time, I think I'm dyslexic. She said, don't be crazy. Don't be stupid. Uh, and then she did, in her defense, give one of my papers to a special needs um, advisor, as it was called in the day. And they said, no, he's not dyslexic. He's just thinking ahead of his writing. So at that point, I thought, well, I guess I mustn't be dyslexic. I just, you know, not really as intelligent as what... 
I'd like to be. But I did make my way through to university and uh, I was, <laughs> I was actually, I finished my university degree. I was diagnosed uh, doing a presentation and making so many spell mistakes when I was writing on a, on a board that there was somebody that specialized in it and said, you need to get yourself tested because you've got all the characteristics. So I got myself tested, um, was dyslexic. Uh, and at the same time, I was president of the student union and we as a student movement was involved in the first real kind of disability discrimination act with teeth. And we were involved in the, the white paper and the green papers, you know, that's the ascent through parliament. I think you guys have got a very similar system where I was. And, uh, I did sort of notice a few things. We had successes as a group. We got uh, dwarfism out as, as a disability, but I did notice a few things, and there was there was a very keen interest to, you know, for people with physical disabilities to fund things like ramps into restaurants and the likes of that. But there was almost an like ignoring what I would call the hidden disabilities, dyslexia, visual impairments. Um, and I said, well, what's going to change? And the answer was nothing. And I was like, well, you're saying all organizations need to make adjustments. You know, aren't we going to kind of like push them to like integrate technology into their websites to make the information accessible? And the answer was kind of like, mm, no. Um, so I decided to kind of create the technology and do what I thought was the right thing at the time. And here I am. Still doing it. <laughs> We're longer, like twenty years later. So, yeah, I do find that interesting. Like, like the the company, and we'll we'll sort of get into like the nuts and bolts of of, of recite me and and talk a little bit about about the actual uh, product. But I mean, what sort of differentiates you to me is that you've just been doing it for for quite a while. Like that twenty twelve is is you know that. It's, you know, 11 years, that's a long time to be working in this space. Yeah, well, we incorporated in 2009, but we developed the technology probably five years before that. And it was always it was always a bolt-on to my other company, which is just a software development company. Um, and we thought, we're going to try and push this. Um, we're never going to make any money out of it because people don't take disability serious. And it's a, I hate saying that because if you go back 20 years ago, that's what it felt like. It felt like you were pushing against a closed door when you're trying to get companies to take disabilities and uh, inclusion seriously. And then I decided to really risk everything and everything that I'd earned from my other company, Arch, is to put in a recite and try and make it, make it work. And we purposefully didn't patent the software. We wanted more of a mass adoption. Uh, and our earlier mission was to accelerate uh, the, the uptake of uh, accessibility technology around the world. And you can totally tell I'm an Elon Musk. <laughs> I definitely was an Elon Musk fan because I kind of copied the Tesla's mission statement. <laughs> just, just put that out there because somebody's going to recognize that. <laughs> just don't buy Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think I've got enough money. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. Give it some time. You might be able to. We, I, Ryan yeah, and yeah. I might be able to buy it in, in a few months. <laughs> so maybe um, let's talk a little bit about Recite Me uh, itself and, and just give us a little bit of a snapshot of, of actually what it is. And then we'll sort of dig into maybe some of the, the origins of it. Yeah. So what we are, we're, 
I mean, if you want to get into the text, we're, we're a plugin for websites that allows them to ha- enhance the functionality of websites. So a lot of websites were playing with certain sort of changing the background colors that might help people like myself read. And, you know, I read faster with a, um, a blue text and a yellow background. Um, we created a plugin that enhanced the functionality from reading a website out aloud to doing magnification of text from having, you know, like a, an overlaid background. Um, and we, we were trying to standardize the, the functions across many different websites. So if you went to a website, you were, you were going to expect that the website included would have so many functions that were there to enhance, you know, inclusiveness for people with dyslexia, visual impairments, dyspraxia, like myself. Yeah, so just kind of touching on on that integration into websites and, and kind of making them more usable or, or functional for somebody with a disability. And, and I'll just dive right in now to some of the meat of the discussion is, yeah. you know, a lot of the flack for companies similar to yours has yep. been those of us who are blind using screen readers come across you know a plugin like that and if it's enabled it starts hijacking our keyboard commands and we lose functionality and efficiency um, using our own assistive tech versus what the other companies are providing so how does you how do you differentiate yourself from some of the other players we're we're we are simply a positive um action active so Nothing is there unless you activate it. So we purposely did that. We It would probably be a bit easier for us if Recite was sitting in the background and then just allowed us to show our uh, functions, but we don't, we're, we're actually inactive until somebody clicks the, the Recite toggle button. Yeah, so what, what happened was we were, we were in the market for 10 to 12 years. You know, I could have done right. three degrees and we coexisted very well. <laughs> We, we coexisted very well with particularly the, the like the blind um, user space, and I just need to put it there. I'm, sure, you know, uh, blindness runs in my family. There's a there's a genetic condition called Lords. So my my uncle's blind, my grandma was blind, um, my mother is has got the gene, but she's very slowly progressing. So I do see life from from two sides. Like all mm-hmm. my cousins on my mother's side, who's got the gene, uh, they're all they're all blind as well. So I'm not just coming at this purely from a dyslexic side, right. but you started having players uh, making claims that, that weren't true. Uh, that was saying you would hit WCAG standards mm-hmm. by activating their functionality. Now, the frustration from myself, as I warned people 10 years ago, <laughs> we will only ever work if we work hand in hand with people tech that we don't provide our functionality for, which is, which is blindness. Right. So we've always supported um, the fact that there's a differentiation. And we've always said when we're kind of pitching to clients, you should be making your website accessible. This is not a replacement for websites being accessible. And then all of a sudden, um, the American, the, the American ADA Act kicks in. People realize there's a legislative change. There's probably a lot of money to be made in in the area, and then boom, you have different players entering the market. Like ten years after we started, saying, "We do this, 
Yeah. And I'm yeah. sitting there with my head in my hand going, oh my God, you know, like 10 years worth of work of us positioning and not having any criticism or any, uh, and you know, we done big websites. We, we, you know, at the time yeah. we, one of our first larger clients was Reuters, you know, Tesco was the, is the third biggest, uh, supermarket in the world, not very big over your side of the world. But, and I was just like, oh, I says, this is undone like 10 years worth of work of working in partnership with organizations. That's what I was saying to Rob earlier is, you know, and, and you know, your website talks about, you know, you have an accessibility checker. You're not making the claim that, you know, the one line of code will make, you know, everything better. Yeah. You are talking about designing from the beginning and, and putting in the effort to make websites accessible. You know, no yeah. one tool is going to do that for anybody. So, you know, I do appreciate that side of the conversation for sure. Yeah, my my whole position was always to instigate change and getting people thinking about accessibility. In the early days, people didn't even have a DNI. We would call it mm. a not too short disability inclusion officer. So we were dealing with like the head of IT and the head right. of marketing. So we started seeing good penetration for the the toolbar. We started seeing people realize that they needed to do something that enhanced inclusiveness. Because for myself, I, I I never tend to carry technology on my computer. So me personally, I would always want the technology sitting on a website because you know I'm sitting here with three different devices, two different operating systems. But so we feel like we've stimulated the the increase of access of information for people with dyslexia visual impairments, but there's, there's still, you know, blindness is, is, is still, you know, it's, it's a massive issue and there's only one solution for that. And even if you get into the visual impairments, you know, WCAG is compliance is the solution. And I'm glad the U S has kind of, you know, there's been the Domino's case where they did go to mm -hmm. Supreme Court and web accessibility is now linked to something which is WCAG. Right. And I started doing some sums. Um, I've got to admit, I think I was pretty drunk when I did it. I have a tendency to sometimes work on a Friday when I'm drunk. And I started working out roughly, because uh, we've, we've worked with firms that do manual remediation uh, that may in, in, enhance the WCAG rating of websites. And I started working out the the cost it would take to make all websites accessible yeah. right <laughs> and the calculations i worked out it was higher than the worldwide defense budget hmm. <laughs> wow so i was like you know we're not going to get changed yet because it's it's moving too slowly mm -hmm. so what is the next best thing and we knew we could check WCAG and accessibility problems through software because we were doing it anyway, but not advertising it. And we were, we were actually baking in some basic corrections in, in recite. So, you know, like, you know, CSS stuff, the simple stuff. So the, the next thing that we're trying to stimulate is making people aware of the position that they stand with regards to how their website sits on accessibility ratings, according to WCAG and stimulate and change for them to do something about it. Now, we're not a manual remediation company. We might, we, might, you know, we might work with people in the future to do it, but we're trying to stimulate people being aware that this is where they sit. Because I don't know if you're 
you've got the same experience as us, but we, if we speak to sometimes a large clients, the best answer we get is we know we're not good enough. <laughs> we don't know how bad we are. And I'm like, right. Well, here's a quick check <laughs> to tell you how bad you are guys. And here's the things you can quickly fix. Well, I think that's important is having that accessibility checker. You know, I remember Rob and I have worked together for over 20 years. And I remember years and years ago, probably at least 10 years or more, you know, there was a web accessibility tool called Bobby Approved um, or Bobby that you could plug in your URL and it would, you know, go through and do an accessibility check and kind of show you where your errors were and what needed to be in, be improved. And yet... You know, I don't know, you, you have the statistics to tell us, but, you know, ha, has that taken off? Are people using the accessibility checkers? Yeah, people, we only launched it um, February this year, and it was a very soft launch as well. And we're seeing the, we are seeing the reception uh, very, very, it, it's very, very warm because we're, we're a trusted partner. You know, we, we kind of try and help and guide people and, um so I think it will become down the line a common place of actually giving somebody some understanding where they stand. Right. So the answer is probably too early to tell, but the early okay. signs are very positive. Good. It must be really frustrating in a lot of ways, you know, given that you guys have been around so long and, and working on this technology and, and, you know, helping a lot of sites implement it to see this big like gold rush like it's like any other to technology or, or anything any mainstream driven um you know tech is once people start to see an opportunity uh it's just a gold rush and everybody sort of rushes in and just does whatever they can and i think that this is part of the problem that we've seen with with the overlay technology um it's kind of been companies out there that and again, I don't want to call them bad actors, but they, they, they do what they, they do anything that they can to sort of build their product up. And that's, you know, I guess that's in a way that's the entrepreneurial mindset. But um, yeah. I think that that's where we're seeing a lot of pushback um, by the community. So it must it must kind of be disheartening for you guys to be like, wow, well, I've been working on this for, for so long. And now all these guys are sort of coming in and now we're getting pushback on the technology, which, you know, again, I, it may, may or may not be really all that fair. Yeah, it, it, it was very disheartening. And, you know, it's a lifetime work, which I probably risked everything on trying to do it because I thought coming from a student union background, and you know, the student unions are very active in the welfare of the students in the UK, you know, like students, the student um, society has the second highest uh, suicide rate in the UK. So everything was geared towards doing something of meaning that would help somebody. And when I got into business, I realized how many people would sell the mothers for an extra couple of pounds. Mm. So I was like, I'm never going to turn into one of those people. And I'm, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it the right way. And I'm going to be proud of who I am when I look in the mirror. And if that, that does sound cheesy, but that is the ethos of our company. Right. Uh, and where the miscalculation happened, I think, is that we we encouraged, we wanted competition because that was the only way we were going to increase inclusiveness to, you know, um, and access to, to content for people with from these, uh, these sections of society. But... We didn't. I didn't think forward that there would be a, a type of gold rush and 
some companies would be headed and run as like at win at all costs and sort of mentality. Right. That's when you're starting to see these these claims be put out there that that frankly weren't true. And some of the claims in the marketing material, this is the irony of it. The marketing material was saying, you know, use our software and we'll fix everything. And then if you looked in the terms and conditions, it would say, mm-hmm. we, do not, we, we do not do the thing that our marketing material has said right. we do do, right? So you, you sign it, you can't take them to court because you've signed terms yeah. and conditions. And yeah, it was very disheartening. But there was a big pushback by the community. And a lot of the community is people that we've supported in events and organizations we've sponsored over the years is pushing back against overlays. So eight years ago, I'm kind of, I'm running kind of the 5K dash, you know, in Atlanta. And then all of a sudden, it's these organized, same organizations that we've been standing beside are pushing back against the technology. However, they were using the word overlay and we've never used the word overlay because we, Right. A lot of the other terms would, will overlay immediately. And I thought, mm, this doesn't feel too uh, accessible. This yeah, it makes more, it makes, makes more of a sense, like you mentioned, the word plugin. You know, it's a plugin in the website that you can activate manual or you have to activate manually. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's our position. And, that, and that, that is our technology. But a lot of this pushback, a lot of the pushback did include our name. Sorry, did not include our name. And I was very happy about that because we were very well known to these organizations for potentially over a decade. Sometimes we got mentioned with some organizations, but a lot of organizations that did push back didn't mention us. So I felt slightly vindicated that, mm-hmm. you know, it, they were kind of talking about our industry, but they weren't really including us. Well, it is hard. And I mean, you you look at the list of, of companies that are in this space and it's growing all the time. Um, I even think even two, three years ago, there was there was, you know, 10 and, and now there's just there's there's scores of them. Yeah. And it's yeah. interesting, you know, like just as a, a, a bit of a, an aside, you know, OpenAI comes up with ChatGPT, takes the world by storm. And now all you do is search for Google for AI and everybody and their dog have an AI company now. Right. It's like an AI gold rush that has started. So it's kind of a similar, similar trajectory that you know they've taken yeah. that the overlay slash plugin market took. Yeah, it's true. Well, it's like cloud as well. Everybody right. I mentioned, everybody mentioned cloud ten years ago, and about twenty percent of the people actually used cloud. Right. <laughs> you know, so AI is like we use AI. We're an AI company. It's like well, if you look into it, you're not technically an AI. <laughs> And, and there, really, there really is an irony to everything because, you know, for years and years, you know, we, we've been yelling about, you know, assistive technology and accessibility. And, you know, the irony is, is that here we are, we, you know, we, we have this, this new interest in that type of technology and it's just, it's bad and it's getting, it's getting pushback from the community. I, I guess, you know, from, from what we've heard, the biggest complaints about overlay companies has kind of been twofold. It's it's been, yes, on a technical level, if there's an overlay company that it's just always on and it crashes up against people who already have screen readers, well, that's a technical problem and, you know, and that's an issue. But more so, I think it's the, it's this mindset that the marketing mindset behind some of these overlay companies that, that they paint accessibility compliance as something evil or something to be afraid of and they sort of use that 
to sell their product. So I guess for you guys, what, what set you guys apart to us was the fact that you right there in bold print tell people that you guys aren't about compliance. Recite yeah. me is, a, is about giving your users options. Yeah, and I need to point out every time we sell the toolbar, it's normally an education um, to the client on compliance as well. So we, we say, you know, you need to be compliant. You know, we are helping you with a certain percentage of, of your audience, but there's a there's a large set, section of the audience which is backed by legislation, which you you now need to be compliant to. And we are we are often catalysts for people improving the client and um, the compliance. So yeah, it it allows you to start that conversation on compliance, right? Like the toolbar yeah. is a step in the direction of compliance, and you know we all know with the billions of websites that are out there, we will never be one hundred percent compliant. Yeah. It, that's impossible. But you know, looking at Recite Me and others, you're really not that different than some of the functionality that's built into Microsoft Edge and their read page aloud feature or you know some of the other tools that browsers are starting to include now for you know contrast and so on you know they're not turned on by default and neither is yours so how can we yell and scream from the rooftops when most of us are using a browser that has these same features built in already not that different yeah we've been encouraging the, the thing that we always say is that you know, um, organizations should take, um, should be responsible for their own content. So it used to frustrate me when you went to accessibility statements and it was like, well, if you install this browser and you, um, and you click this function, you might have some of the stuff that Recite does. I mean, it's, 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 mm -hmm. it's not quite far away from the stuff that we sure. do. And that used to frustrate me because it was almost like I had a almost, a chip on my shoulder that would you treat somebody with physical disabilities this way? So because of the, the disabilities are hidden, you know, you're making us jump through hoops, just take responsibility for your own information. So whether you do it with us, whether you uh, develop it yourself, you should be adding features that are, that enhance access to, to marginalized groups like dyslexia. That was always our stance. We, the more things that are integrated into every technology, the better. So we've worked with Microsoft quite, quite some years, and it, it wasn't long too long ago I bumped into Hector, and I've known Hector for, he works with Microsoft in the UK well over a decade now, and we discussed potentially working together on a project. So we always, always, always encourage organizations, and even the big ones, to integrate right. this sort of tech into their, into their stack. But what Edge and Chrome do is there's been plugins for 15 years. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that did that. They just they happen to put it in automatically now. I do think the bigger risk for, for the larger companies is the likes of, you know, like the read-write goals. Yeah. Um, you know, very good software, but, but the, the – the Word documents, the Excel documents, the browse, they're starting to have a lot of technology in where some people might not choose to buy because it's a positive act by the user to to buy something that might cost 200, 150 pounds. Whereas for us, we're free to the user because the organization pays for it. Right. 
seeing all of these, so seeing this pushback against over quote overlay companies, what are you guys sort of doing to differentiate yourself from say some of those other companies? First of all, um, I think if you use negative energy, you get negative energy back. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other companies were using what you called, you know, like threatening or scaring people. We always used to call it the comparison with the carrot and the stick. <laughs> you know, you can threaten people with legislation or you can encourage them and see how they can enhance access to people. And this is a percentage of the audience that, you know, um, you know can't access your website. Here's a study called the click away pound. This is how much you're potentially losing, you know, install our site software. And then we can show them through launches, how many users they've had that, that used it. You know, if you use our toolbar, for example, people spend longer on the website if they use Recite's toolbar than what they would put a person just manually being on the website. So we try to use a lot of positive energy, a lot of encouragement, a lot of kind of kindness. You know, you're not there, but we can help you, you know, um, and stay away from the threatening threat of legislation and, you know, you could get sued and mm-hmm. stole our software and, and we'll help you and all this sort of stuff. So I think we've got a better longer term strategy than the others. And you've right. got to remember, in, in defense of the other people, they, a lot of them have had a vast amount of money in, injected in the companies. Mm. You know, one firm has raised $50 million. That's that's a serious amount of money. Yeah. And with it, that comes with a serious amount of external pressure. And eventually that money is probably that that there's there's gonna have to be a return on that money. I mean, right. we took venture capital money ourselves, I mean, in 2010 to keep the lights on, but we always had the understanding that this is how we operate. You know, you don't get involved in the operational side of how the company positions itself. Right. Um, so I, I can see it because I remember in the early days of 2010, there was the question from some venture capital, you know non-execs on the board, should we be pushing people harder, Ross? You're not getting much traction. You know, if you've got legislation, you should be telling them about the legislation, Ross. And we're like, no, right. I'd rather not survive than do it the wrong way. Right. Uh, and I would rather, I would rather uh, you know, if we're going to be a success, we're only, so, we're only truly a success by doing it the right way. Hence, I put all of my money to keep Recite going for it. Yeah. It, it didn't make any money. I mean, I had times when the, the staff know this now, but there was five of us that were the core back in the day, and I had the staff's wages on my credit card. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was scary thing. That was back in the day when the UK you had, I don't know what system you've got, but we call it PAYE, so in uh, national insurance. So you say if somebody gets paid £100 an hour or whatever it might yeah. be, the government will take about 25%, 30%, mm-hmm. up 40%. And you're supposed to pay to them every month. Back in t- to before they had really good systems of tax collection, you could kind of get away with not paying it for sometimes up to seven or eight months. So right. I had to pay the government for, <laughs> for about seven months. And uh, we used to send people out with a, a credit card processing unit, right? Um, yeah. So every time a guy would turn up uh, from from 
the, the HMRC to, to collect our taxes. I just used to be like, like, tell him I'm, I'm, I'm out and I'll lump you back to the <laughs> uh, So I'd like to officially thank the HMRC for not sending me a bill. Or, I, I guess looking at, you know, the big picture, I'd like to think that this sort of phase that we're in is something that will eventually get, get self-corrected. Um, yeah. A lot of these companies, uh, the sense that I get is that they're, they're, they're not going to necessarily been, be in it for the long haul because I just don't think that they can because eventually those say, you know, those, those companies that maybe have questionable marketing practices they're, they're they'll just they're just going to eat themselves eventually um, because what will happen is um, you know if if you say that if you say that your product is going to say make you compliant but actually it doesn't and then those companies run in run afoul of that legislation that they think they're compliant in um, eventually your 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 client base is going to dry up your the words going to get around and those companies are going to sort of go away and hopefully it, it will leave space for you know companies like recite me that are, are trying to do things properly you know it, it's i think it's just all about who's who's going to have legs in the industry and, and who's not well i think too that the community will reward those who work with them so you know if a software developer reaches out to the community that has lived experience and engages them and has focus groups including them they will be successful because how many times have we yelled and screamed that we want to be included people are developing products for people with disabilities without even consulting that 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 group of people that they're developing for so the more involvement we can have in development um the better a company will be i would encourage and i would i would, I would love to work with you guys hundred percent um that's our goal make a change you know and you can't make a change unless people are on board but you, you've got to look at the positives we've we as an industry this is the, the whole industry is screamed for intention for the last 20 years mm, right and finally when we've got attention right we <laughs> got the wrong attention yeah yeah um, but everything is refined over time mm. i'm a believer and the industry has done very well to Sorry, the, the community has done very well to call out the bad actors and the false statements. Yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed there's been a lot of there's been quite a few apologies for from the mm -hmm. organizations that have made the false claims. And I think over time they'll they'll refine and they'll refine and they'll refine. And they'll hopefully realize that the right way to do it is to one, tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> first, first one, tell the truth but to work with the community itself because everybody's aiming for the same goal is to make the world a more inclusive place. Right. And right. There's a really great guy. He's, he's become a good friend, um, Mike, Mike, um, that, who runs Purple Tuesdays. And he's got a physical disability, but he's also from a student union background. So he's got a very similar experience to me. And he said, we were chatting one day and we said, what does success look like? And he, he made a very, very good point. He says, success to me is when I walk through the street with my wife and people, and he, he's in a wheelchair and people don't see me as a person with a disability. I'm just another person in society. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's, that's a similar goal to me because I'm dyslexic. It was a disadvantage most of my life. 
when people just see it as a facet of my learning and it has extra skills, then that's when I think we've achieved. But we've only we only do that when everybody has bought in. Right. You know, the community, the organizations, the people, the commercial companies like myself, the legislators, everybody's bought in. So it just it doesn't become a thing no more that we'll have to fight. It just becomes another facet of human life. Right. Yeah, that's the goal, right? I'm really, I'm, I'm really sounding cheesy. I don't know what it is today. That's <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, okay. We welcome the cheese. Yeah, bring on the cheese. Yeah, yeah. Bring on the cheese. But I think the other part of this too is that I don't know if it's just if it's online culture, it's it's internet culture. It's just you know people love picking up you know their pitchforks and torches mm. and storming the castle um, without really you know giving giving people or companies or organizations the space to, you know what, make mistakes. Um, we all do it. Um, you know, this certainly a, a company that is, you know, has uh, implemented something and maybe they did screw up. Maybe they, they did it wrong and they, they get a little bit of pushback. Nothing wrong with that, like suggestions, but they certainly don't necessarily always deserve to be burned to the ground or, or you know, be, be painted as, you know, bad actors. You, know, you want to be fair and balanced and you want to give people the benefit of the doubt and open dialogues. I mean, this is this is the important and this is part of the reason why, you know, we wanted to, to, to have you on and, and talk about this is because at the end of the day, it's all about people and it's all about, you know, wanting to provide something that's going to be of, of great value to, to any given community. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you inviting me on because this is almost the start of the rebalancing, I see. Although when Michael did tell us about it, um, Michael's Craig's boss, uh, I did say, this is a hit job. And I told him the story of how I was in the president of the student union and I had the local news want to talk to me about alcohol um, like proliferation in the student community. And then they, it was a hit job because student unions sell cheap beer right to students so i told him that story but so I, I, i'm glad you know you guys haven't been ganging up on me and with your pitch folks no and i hope you don't feel that way i'm glad we had you on and i'm glad you were able to accommodate us oh, thank you very much um for those people who want to learn more about recite me uh where can they find you guys online just go to reciteme.com and you will find our website Perfect. And actually, you know what, I'm going to link, uh, there's a, you guys did a really great, uh, a blog article that actually was sort of responsible for, for, uh, inviting you guys on that, that I, I really enjoy. So I'm going to link that as well, um, in the show notes. So I encourage everybody to go read that, go check out recite me and, uh, yeah, we want to thank, uh, you very much for, for coming on. Cool guys. Thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ross. Well, so there you go. It was a, a conversation about the industry, about Recite Me, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, differentiating them from other organizations. Well, you know, it's it's funny because I remember years and years ago there was a there was a, and I don't know if the, these guys are still around, but um, Speak Aloud. They were they were sort of and this would have been probably yeah, browse aloud, speak aloud, browse aloud. Maybe it was browse aloud or yeah. read aloud or something. It, there 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 were plugins mm -hmm. long ago that built in um, 
it was a kind of a built-in screen reader. Um, and I don't, at the time, nobody was pushing back against that. Well, I think like you're right. And the pushback, I think all came from the claim that, that this one line of code will make you compliant. Yes. So that's this is where the pushback was. Yeah. So, I mean, really this, this pushback has been fairly recent. Like, mm -hmm. um, and I think that again, it, it's just a, a few major players that, that went in gangbusters and kind of ruined it for everybody. But the fact that Recite Me has been around for so long, I think is an important distinction. Um, and the fact that it was, you know, it was founded by somebody who had lived experience with a, a learning disability. So, I mean, I think that that alone should, you know, make people, we have to be fair and balanced about these things. And we need to hear both sides because, you know, you just can't paint um, all companies with the same brush. I don't know. It's tough. It's hard, man. It's because, you know, you, you do. You want to be supportive, but you also want to be fair. Um, and I think that uh, the way to do that a lot of times is just just talk to people. Well, reach out and get involved. You know, if you really yeah. got you really want your voice heard, reach out to the organization you have issues with and see how you can help them. Yeah, because it is, man. It's easy to pile on. Mm, it it, it is. really is. It, it doesn't really take any effort. And let's yeah. be honest, feels good to have the moral high ground. But, <laughs> you know, after talking to Ross, like, you know, it, it, you do, you you get a sense of, okay, well, this is just, just people. They're people yeah. and they're doing their best and they really are trying. And, you know, you, you got to give them credit for that. Yeah, like I said, you know, in our conversation, Microsoft Edge has a read aloud thing right there too, right? You just tab yeah. to it, hit enter, and it'll start reading your website to you. So yeah. it's not on by default. It's not hurting anything. Recite Me is not on by default. It's not hurting yeah. anything. So, you know, if you've got the option to turn it on and it's not, not killing you, then what are you, what are you wanting about? Well, and, and I think that what's important to, to mention is that, yes, uh, you know, screen reader technology, that can be problematic because you've got two things that are working yep. against each other. But as long as it's not on by default, right. you know, you have to remember that those overlays are also providing a lot of utility to a lot of other people who have other yes. um, disabilities that, which you know, is a like much larger market. For sure, yeah. you know, like the, being able to like change the, all, you know, the contrast or, you know, increase the, the font, um, size, font and, size and all yep. of that stuff on the fly. For a lot of people, that is really valuable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you kind of you kind of got to give that space as well. Indeed. Got to be fair. Got to yep. be fair and balanced. That's right. Which is our motto. It's not our motto. Maybe it should be. No, I don't okay. think we're, I know. <laughs> we're not fair and balanced. I don't know what our motto would be. Uh, drink right. milk. That's drink our motto. Milk. There you go. Drink your milk. Yep. Uh, all right, we got anything else? Nope, I got to go to work soon. All right, well, let's uh, get the heck out of here then. All righty. Hey, Rob. Hey. Oh, <laughs> switching it up. Oh, I like this. Okay, let me see. I don't even know what my line is. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ryan. Where can people find us? They can find us online at www.atbanter.com. That's right. They can also send us an email if they like at cowbell at atbanter.com. See, I don't think in I don't think in whatever seven years I've ever actually had to do the website. That's I weird. Know. It felt weird. Yep. Uh, and now I'm totally. They can also find I, us on 
uh, social media. They can find us on uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. And don't bother looking for us on X because we're just we're done with that. Like, forget yeah. it. X is, is over. Indeed. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's it. That's all she wrote. Are you gonna Are you gonna actually do the the rest of the outro? Then it's it bounces back to you now. You have to say that's gonna about do all it. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's gonna about do it for us this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hmm. Not bad. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.